Hello and welcome to the Divine Renovation Podcast. My name is Dan O'Rourke and along with me as always, Ron Huntley, Director of Coaching and Development at Divine Renovation. How are you doing, buddy? Great, pal. It's good to see you. And Father James Mellon, how are you doing today? I'm very well. I notice I don't have one of those big, long, complicated, fat titles. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. Can you say that again? <laughs> Director of Renovation. Well, welcome to the Divine Renovation what do you call those things when you when you gavel a gavel? You know those guys. That, <laughs> what do you an auction? Well, oh, I see what you're saying. Ah, yes, with the quick speaking. I I'm not that good. Uh, I'm not that good. But guys, I, we've got someone joining us a little bit later. We've got Matt Vaughn, who is uh, one of the newer team members at St. Benedict Parish. And we asked him to come on because we want to talk about catching culture and how when you bring in a new person into a, into a parish environment, how you can how you how they can catch the culture of that place. But before we talk about that, I want to talk about to you a little bit, Ron. How how things have been going last week? It's been fun. I've been having a lot of fun. It's interesting in the network. Mm-hmm. One of the things I'm noticing really starting to take root is people's appreciation and understanding of strength finders, living your strengths, oh, really? the Gallup yep. tool. And people are getting to know each other better. They're really starting to value that tool in a new way as so, we go So talk deeper. to me a little about StrengthFinders and how it works and what it's all about. Well, StrengthFinders is a, a psychometrics. Uh, you, you can buy this book. Right. And uh, in the back, there's a tag in, with a number. And you can just plug it into the computer and it gets you access to an evaluation. And through that evaluation, it will determine, it'll spit out to you your top five strength themes. Mm-hmm. And the whole premise of it is that if you lean into your strengths, if you can name it, claim it and lean into it, what will end up happening is that's where you will have your biggest impact. That's where you'll find your most joy when you're serving in your ministry or your job or whatever it is you're doing and working out of your strengths, you'll have your biggest impact, which is kind of counter to the whole concept of why don't you get better at your weaknesses? Because it's only when you lean into them that they actually become strengths because what Gallup says is that these are actually themes of talent. So Don Clifton who is the, the, the founder of this, he identified over 300 talents. And a talent, he says, is, is what you consistently do well with very little ability. It's like your... Or little ability or little effort. A little, little effort, right. sorry. Yeah, yeah. The, and, and he identified all these and he grouped them into 34 themes of talent. So right. you, can, you can be hardwired a certain way. So there's 35, 34? 34. You can be hardwired a certain way, but it doesn't mean it's a strength yet. Good point. Because you've, got to, you've hmm. got to name it and claim it. You've got to understand it. And then you've got to lean into it. You've got to practice using it. And only then it becomes a strength. And the thing is that many people have got all kinds of innate talents that they haven't translated into strengths yet. So you used that's to, a really cool you, thing. You used to use StrengthsFinders with, with the team at St. Benedict, right? Yeah, we use it quite a bit because, you know, one of the principles that's talked about in Divine Renovation is strengths-based ministry. And there are things that we're naturally good at. And what we found is that Clifton StrengthsFinders is great not necessarily to teach people what they will do, like what, like people often look at those tools and say, I want to, dis- I want to discover what ministry I should be in. No, this will teach uh, you how you're going to do it. Yes. How you're going to do the thing that you're called to do. But the greatest thing we found with this tool was it, its ability to help us build teams and to function well as teams, to understand what one another, you know, so it helps you to build a balanced team. So right. in that sense, it's been very, very helpful. And we, over the years, developed a familiarity with it. Ron, you went and did some training, and yes. I've done some tra- training with it as well, and we use it in our coaching network. Yeah. And so you're saying that our coaching network, the, the parishes in it, are, are using it more? Is that what? Well, we're using it in our coaching sessions, mm-hmm. and some of the, and, and so we're doing, it's two things. One, I want to help them get to know themselves better, 
and each other better. Right. But the other thing they're doing too, I also want to show them how they how easily they can use it in terms of their one on one coaching with their team or mm-hmm. their one on one support meetings that they have with their key staff members. Because it's not that difficult to read through the profile and just ask people questions like how does that resonate with you? Can you give me a specific example? So these network churches, some of them are actually coaching into each other, oh, and they're wicked. loving it. It's That's helping awesome. them get to know each other better. It's helping them be a stronger team, and also they're finding out a lot about themselves, which isn't it fun when we when we grow in our own self-awareness, mm-hmm. and when we realize, God, we're made on purpose. You, you know, you're fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God, and when we can help people realize that, Boy, that's pretty exciting. And that's what we want to help people do. So I've noticed that that's been going on. It's easier than never as well to actually identify your top five themes. Because in the past, like you said, Ron, you you bought the book and there was a key in the back of the book. But just Google Gallup Strands Finder and you go online and you can fill in your credit. You can do it right online. You actually don't even have to buy the book anymore. And there's actually an app. There's a a Gallup Strands Finder app, which is great. So once you set up an account, it's a straight transaction. You do the test. (laughs) 20 minutes and you later, can share you've got your results. results with your friends. So That's you've right. given me yours, I've given you mine, and, and it's really cool. You can actually get your, your top 34, although Gallup have kind of used a really, they've marketed it well. It's a little <laughs> bit extra money for the really curious. <laughs> it, it is actually worth it because there's also finding out what your bottom ones are. That's very, very interesting. <laughs> And humbling. Uh, and humbling. <laughs> yeah. You know, the other thing that happened just yesterday, I wanted to share this with you guys. I found it really moving, but we had an application into the Divine Renovation Network from a a church in Portugal. And so I finally yesterday got a chance to connect. uh, And this pastor's English is fantastic, Father Tiago. And Mm. he has five different churches. He's the pastor of five different churches. Like five different buildings? Five different buildings, yeah. And he has a a church congregation of anywhere between three and five hundred on any given weekend. And... um, he just really, he's, he showed, he lifted up the book in Spanish and he was talking about how he's using the divine renovation the, book. The divine renovation book. Sorry, yeah. I remember and, reading his application. It blew me away. It was like, wow, this guy is, this, his English was better than ours to begin with. Uh, and secondly, his, his sense of, of what matters. I know. And his sense of urgency and his clarity really, really impressed me. I thought, this is a guy we should get into the network. It's so beautiful. And, and I was wondering, how could a fella with that few parishioners be able to be in the network, you know, to be able to afford the fee. And when I asked him about that and told him the price, his eyes, you know, got pretty big. And I realized you can't afford it, can you? And he said, no. And I said, fair enough. I, I, would, I was asking if somebody was underwriting it for him because that's the only way I could see him being able to afford it. But anyway, um, I said, I wonder if we, if we could get you funding. It sounds like you'd be a great fit. You're very hungry. You'd be the first person in your entire country in the network. I said, why don't you leave that with us? Because, you know, we have some very generous donors. And I know there's some people out there listening that, that are afflicted with wealth. And they might want to <laughs> help support this man and his, his passion and his desire to do this. And what we're talking about here is specific, that aspect of the Divine Renovation Ministry that we call the network, which is our coaching network. So Absolutely. this is a heavy investment in parishes. So mm-hmm. it's up to, you know, 50 sessions a year when you add up everything. And so it's quite an intensive investment mm-hmm. in parishes. And so we, we we try our best to come close to covering our expenses in that. So there, there is a price point to it, but our hope is is with, uh, with, with, with parishes See, here's, here's, the, here's the, the thing. You, you get parishes that might have the resources, but 
do they have the openness? Do they have the, the hunger? The desire, yeah. And do, yeah. They have the, the, do they have the desire? And then you get a guy like this who struggles with the resources, and yet he gets it, and he's got the desire, and he's got huge capacity. So how do we help? Guys like no. that. How do we help get the right? And he's in Portugal, and we don't. We've Portugal, never coached yeah. a, a parish in. He Portugal. said my Portuguese was pretty good when I complimented him on his English. I think he was just. Have I been speaking Portuguese? <laughs> Obrigado. That's all I know in Portuguese. <laughs> and I found out that you you don't say. I was going around. I was in Brazil a few years ago, and I was I learned. Obrigado, and I was saying to everyone, Obrigado, Obrigado. Except I found out that when you say thank you to a woman, it's Obrigada. Oh, so I was saying, so you're oh, insulting all the yeah, people. Yeah, I was, was going to insulting, insulting every woman. Good try. But Ron, you were telling me about this mm. guy. Tell me more, a bit more about what his suggestion was in terms of what he thought he could pay, because this blew well, me away. This was beautiful because, you know, I asked him, what could you, what would you be willing to, what would you be able to put towards uh, this 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 feed in order to get into the network? And he said, two months worth of collections. And I just thought to myself. Oh, my heavens. This is a guy who's not looking for a handout. He's not wow. looking for a freebie. He's looking to give, you know, exponentially. I mean, two months. I mean, just think about that's that. Think about that, folks. If you're listening, pastors, if you're listening, do the math quickly. Do the math. Two. That's eight weeks of Sunday collections this man is willing to put into into the to invest into into the network. That, the that network. is incredible. That That is incredibly humbling. It is humbling. So well, let's, let's, we, we're going to ask yeah. folks out there who are listening to, to pray for Father Tiago and his parish in mm. Portugal and to pray if we can, if anyone feels called to, to help us help him, that'd be great. You know, if you want to visit the website, there is a place to donate and, mm. and leave us a note and if you, if you wish to designate it to help him. But that's yeah, sure certainly someone there. we feel called yeah, to, to help. That. Yeah, let's let's do that. If, if if a donation of size comes into the website sometime in the next week, we'll just any donation that comes in, we'll earmark it for for his parish. And because uh, we do get donations through the website every every week or two, we get some some money that flies in that way. Mm. But let's just let's make it set it aside specifically for him. Because I mean, what a story! Mm. That's um, well. Speaking speaking of money, speaking <laughs> of money, you guys are listening. If you're anyone's new listening, you're oh, thinking, oh yeah, yeah, all these, guys, cool all these guys are talking about money. But um, I had a actually session just last night with with some of my with some of the priests in the, in the network. And one of the priests, uh, I asked him, what's your, what's your biggest breakthrough? And well, one of them had, he, he kind of cheated. He told us five breakthroughs, but I'd be kind of like, <laughs> yes, he did like, cheat. You, if you want five breakthroughs is wonderful. And they were five great breakthroughs. One of them, he said, it's, it's every pastor's dream. He got a call from the accountant. Well, he got the, uh, his, the, the financial reports from his parish. And he saw that there was $152,000 more than, he expected in the account and he was confused and he called the accountant and said what is this and she said well the over the last couple of years the collection is sunday collection has been going up this is what's in the bank because the collection has been going up <laughs> and he was oblivious because he wasn't checking in he wasn't checking the the sunday collection so we we had a conversation i mean we we celebrated that that yeah, fact that's great celebrating. and then we kind of slapped him around a little bit uh i got the other priest <laughs> to speak because the thing was i said you should you should we should you should know your numbers. Mm. You should know your numbers. And it's not that, you know, your, whether your collection goes up or down in any given weekend, it should, you know, determine your mood for the week or anything. But you've, you've got to have a sense of those numbers. So it was, we had a great conversation around that, around checking your numbers. And he very sincerely was saying, well, why? Well, why should I have to know those numbers? He's a, yes. a younger pastor. It's his first time. He's a great guy, very, very, very gifted. And I, I think, the, you know, what has caused this collection to go up, it's, it's vision. Mm -hmm. and, and passion 
and the fact that when you begin to lead, when you actually exercise leadership and people experience the thing moving we respond, and there's a we? compelling vision, people will respond. And so don't be surprised that the collection will, will actually go up. But one of the things we said to him is you, you, you need to have a sense of what the, rhythm, the natural the rhythms are. And sometimes as well, when, when you're actually preaching vision and living it in a real way, there are some parishioners who sometimes feel inspired to write a, a bigger check. And That's so true. if all of a sudden you notice a big bump, uh, you might want to go and ask your accountant what happened or your whoever it is who, who does those things. And you might find out that a parishioner was inspired to write a, a bigger check. And I think... You know, people who, who are inclined to do that, it's not necessarily that they need the pastor to go and fawn all, all over them, but no. but they need to know that you notice. You need to know that right. you know. You just need a simple, I know thank what you, you did, thank you. I know what you did, way. and thank you. It makes a difference. And simple as that. Uh, but that's important, an important thing for, for pastors to know. Uh, I think one of the things we'd love to do some point later in the year for the Divine Renovation Association is actually create a whole module on how to raise giving in your parish. That's a great idea. Look forward to doing that. Love it. You know, I was just thinking, maybe that church with the extra 150000 maybe they'd like to support Father Tiago. That is a great, that's a great <laughs> If you're listening, if you're listening <laughs> and you know who you we are, didn't say your name. you know who you are, um, you know what to do. <laughs> that's terrible. Well, listen, this is just sound very awkward for a number of people listening. That's, uh, <laughs> I never thought of that. Nobody's ever going to tell you, they're never going to report that to you again. <laughs> and we'll, we'll find ways yeah, to right. invest their money in the world. Uh, you know, the other thing that I wanted to share with you guys that I'm really excited about, there are several people in... There's, I know there's a church in Canada, there's several in the U.S., and there's one in the U.K. that are hiring. Mm. And they're thinking to themselves, they're recognizing the importance of the primacy of evangelization. That's right. And mm -hmm. as a result, they're saying, how can I find that right person? Because... It's not always obvious because we haven't thought that way before. But as we start to think that way, we start to realize what type of a person they need. And they're like, I don't know who that person is. And I would say to you, it's not because they don't exist. Because for, for lay people, you know, you have two choices. Become a priest and make a difference or just go to church regularly. For a lot of us, there's no middle ground. Right. And here's where there's a job opportunity. There's a job market beginning to be created. There's a need that pastors see skill sets, passion, drive, desire, commitment in terms of evangelization and leadership development. And there's a whole world opening up. And so if you're listening and you're on fire for evangelization, maybe you're yeah. familiar with Alpha, maybe you'd be willing to travel. You want to get connected with a church that's in the Divine Renovation that's Network it. and see where you can go. I'm telling you, write to us because... There are people dying to but, connect with amazing. That's a great idea. This, cool? this podcast is turning into like a major commercial. <laughs> like, are you are you feeling right now that you're in a commercial? Well, you are. <laughs> and maybe the spirit of God is convicting people right now because Ron, it's, it's amazing that, that you say that because la again last night uh, and yesterday I met with one of our local priests here, mm -hmm. uh, who's actually in the network. So both the Halifax parishes in the network are both hiring. I didn't know that. <laughs> yes, That's and amazing. and it ties in with the previous thing about money. Uh, one of our parishes, this he told us this last week when I asked the same question about what's your biggest breakthrough? A parishioner, like the, they've been preaching vision for the last six seven months. They've yes. been and been casting vision and pointing the way and really inspiring people. And they've been beginning to make some changes that. Although in one sense are, are making, you know, a small percentage of people upset sure, because it's upsetting their, their uh, preferences. But for people who get it, they're getting on board. A parishioner approached this priest 
and gave him a check that would cover a full year salary. Stop oh, it. Just wow. like that. Oh, <laughs> so, so, they, so they're on the lookout now oh. to hire someone. Again, That's to do crazy. what? To drive adult evangelization. And I just met with their other uh, pastor in our diocese who's in the network, and they hired someone actually from the United States. So if you're listening from the United States, <laughs> it... it it does. It you, you can you can drop us a line. Here's the, okay, call, okay, 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 we've okay. got parishes all over the place. But I'm not finished. I'm not finished. <laughs> so Don't it, you dare cut them off. Wait, wait, I'm listening. Okay, wait, listen, keep going. Or as Steve Jobs used to say, "There's one more thing. One more thing." So, also uh, another Canadian parish is is hiring someone as well. Uh, so that our discussion last night was amazing in terms of uh, about fifty percent of the priests in our in my my call last night with the guys. Are, are have basically identified in in the resources that found the resources, and they're moving ahead with this. But here's the great. thing: no, no, no. See, I honestly, I speak to when I speak to a lot of our, our partners around the world, and and it often comes, it's often related to when we're planning events and we're talking. And one of the things I hear most often, Father James, is no, no, no. Parishes in our community don't have money to hire anybody. Parishes can't hire anybody in in our, our European country or or in Canada. That churches aren't like that. Parishes don't have money. That we don't have staff. We can't hire staff. We're not like you. Yeah. So so what I'm hearing is not matching what 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 that feedback is. So help me understand it. Change it. It's called change. Change change means doing things differently. Doing things differently. That's the the whole point. You know we we're we're Churches are failing all over the place. We're in decline because of the way we're doing it. If we want a change, we've got to change. I'm going to say that again. If you want to see a change, you've got to change. If you're listening right now, those those of the, the parishes that are listening to this podcast, I presume that you're probably in that you know 16 percentile of parishes that are at least ready to innovate or or be early adapters. And and this means you. If if you're on fire for this and you're curious about this and and feeling called to lead in this direction. Break out of your mold. Like get out of your box. Mm-hmm. Like begin. Don't be limited by by what you've known. It's I so mean, cool. We've got, we've got to think differently and be and begin to change it. And even if it's so much as starting with a halftime position, because even in these parishes that I'm speaking about, who are hiring pastoral staff, it wasn't normative there either. It wasn't right. normal. But it's it's like anything. How we're going to talk about culture later on when when Matt comes in. Yep. How do you? We're going to talk about catching culture. That presumes there's the, there's a healthy culture to cat to catch. You'll what catch if you're it ho- healthy or negative. Well, he'll, he'll still catch it. That's right. We don't really want to catch the negative stuff. But but how do how do you change that culture? Yes. You you change it by starting to do things differently, and then you keep doing it and keep doing it until it becomes normal. Yep. And I would I dream of seeing in these countries where we constantly hear, yeah, but it's not like that here. It's not like that here. It's like come on. Like, start changing it. Right, start man. doing it differently. And guess what? Eventually, once you start doing it differently, other people are going to realize, wow, it's actually possible? You mean you can <laughs> actually, we can actually do this in our country? Uh, and the more people do it, the more it's going to change. Well, this is what I love about the network, right? I mean, like, originally, when 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 you started this out, I mean, it was like, no, look, see, see what happened to St. Benedict. Like, we were able to hire staff, and then more staff, and it kept growing. And then, like, it was, it's un, it's not normal here. It's not normal here in Nova no, Scotia. But now, now it's not just look at St. Benedict. Now it's look at this parish that, that's in the coaching network, and this one, and this one, and this one, and this one. And let's also be clear that when we talk about hiring staff, we're, we're not talking about creating a, a kind of a, a professional class of doers of people who do ministry. We're, we're talking about uh, raising up people who can who can 
who can lead, who can be leaders, mm-hmm. uh, eventually leaders of leaders, because they want to have people who raise others up. Because often people will say, all this talk about staff, why can't you just get volunteers? Well, yeah, uh, unless your parish only has like eight volunteers in your whole parish that can be supported by the priest, but try supporting 850 volunteers. Exactly. Uh, good luck with that if it's just the priest. <laughs> like you're, you're, Everything is driven, driven by relationships, evangelization, discipleship, community, leadership. involvement in ministry, leadership, all of mm. the essential components to parish renewal are driven relationally. Mm. How many vital relationships can one person have? True. How many did About Jesus have? 20 to 30 <laughs> people max. Mm. You know, so if you're going to build a church on people, which is really the only way to do it, I mean, Scripture talks about people as the, as the living stones. Um, it's, you've got to invest in relationships. So we're not asking, we're not talking about st- staff members hiring people to do the work of ministry, but to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the church, as it says in Ephesians 4. It often, I agree. And so when you're hiring somebody, you usually have to hire them to do because they're creating something, but they have to have the capacity to then transition into That's leadership. Right. That's so, right. But you know, when you were talking about um changing and I was talking to somebody in Mexico the other day and again culturally they don't they don't people don't invest in they don't give much to the church they don't have uh, staff cler- clerical or, or not clerical staff pastoral. pastoral staff thank you but the people of means give a lot of money to universities at catholic universities catholic hospitals they don't give to the church because they don't see the church being worth like right it's not doing anything it's not Making a difference. It's to where the parish you, it's, church. It's, yeah, yeah, to the parish, you, yeah, there's transactions happening, but not to the local parish. And so the money is there. It's being allocated. It's just not being allocated to parishes. But that's where I think most people would love to be a part of a parish that was where lives are being transformed, where their families are being engaged, where they're being fed spiritually, and they're growing like crazy. But it's almost like there doesn't seem to be a vision that that's even possible locally, but, and but so they're not going to invest in it. But that's the heart of it is vision. You yes. Know, giving follows vision. That's what happened in this parish. And yep. all of a sudden you realize, my goodness, we've got 150000 bucks. The, the, the collection has just <laughs> the collection has crept up. It's crept up. People, people have been inspired and in saying, I want to be a part of that. And... <laughs> and we've got to lean into that. You've got you you got to preach vision. You've got to first live healthy stewardship, financial stewardship yourself as a leader, as a priest, even, yeah. and and then you've got to teach and preach on it and invite people to get on board to to get on board. But you're right, Ron. It's that it's that lack of imagination, and that's hopefully at the heart of what we do with divine renovation is help people to to dream dreams. To think, Doesn't they say that in, in scripture? You know, in the book of Joel. Uh, the, when the Spirit of God is poured out, your, your young men were going to dream dreams. So let's call out to the Holy Amen. Spirit to move in our hearts, to touch our minds. Let's start dreaming dreams. And let's start, you know, someone, I forget who it was that said, but, but if, if, you're, if your vision for your church is, 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 is not terrifying to you, then it's, it's probably insulting to God. Like it, <laughs> like you, let's, let's dream God-sized dreams. Yeah. Again, another version of that, it, what I've heard, it wasn't me that, that said this, was if your pastoral strategy would work uh, without God showing up, you, we might have a problem. And, and sadly, so many of our pastoral strategies, that's it. It's, a, it's, like, a, it's like there's a safety net because it's, yeah. it's like, well, um, this is what we're going to do. And if God doesn't show up at all, I think it might still work. Right. But what if God shows up? Yeah. You know, I, I really believe that God responds to expectant faith. Mm. If, if we build a strategy that doesn't expect God to do something crazy, guess what? We're, God is probably not going to be able to work there. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talk, look at the ministry of Jesus. He could do no miracles in that place because there was not expectant faith. 
I mean, let's let God out of the box. Mm-hmm. Let's pray tonight. Everyone who's listening to this or watching, uh, let's <laughs> ask for the gift to dream God-sized dreams, to really to be to begin to daydream. Like, I give you permission, put your foot up on your desk yes. and kick back and put your hands behind your, your, your neck and, and say, Lord, help me to dream a dream of what this place can be like. Because the potential in every single parish is immense. Amen. I really believe that. Amen. It really is huge. Wow. Yeah. Well, I think uh, we're going to cut it here and we're going to come back and have a chat with Matt Vaughn about catching culture. And, and uh, I think the potential in that young man is immense as well. So we'll, <laughs> we'll get a chance to explore that with him. All right. Thanks, guys. We're back with Matt Vaughn, Communications Coordinator at St. Benedict Parish and Guy with a Smile. That's right. Yes. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Good to be here with you guys. Oh, no. It's awesome to have you have you here today, Matt. I, I guess the main thing we wanted to chat with you about today was really about catching culture. And because you, you're one of the newer hires at St. Benedict Parish. And I think a lot of that, that the culture piece doesn't just apply to, to staff positions. I think it applies to other roles. But but given that you came into a staff position, like how did you catch the culture at St. Benedict? What did that look like? Well, I think that kind of in a funny way, you know, I worked uh, in a, a parish actually out West and uh, I was following uh, Father James on Twitter at the time. And so he was kind of starting to tweet about things and about books and things like that that he was talking about with parish renewal. And I kind of got the bug that, you know, something was happening here. Um, and so I, even before I, I moved back to Halifax, I moved back in 2014 with my wife. Uh, I, I knew that there was something going on at St. Benedict and I kind of had a little bit of a flavor for it. And so when I started to come to the parish uh, is when I started to kind of get the sense that things were different. And uh, I think it was probably in the kind of the one-on-one interactions with people and the people I got to, to meet, especially the people who had been here uh, for a couple of years, I could kind of get a different sense of how things were. So I think that was my first kind of introduction to it was getting to know people here and, right. uh, and meeting them. I, I'm really curious, you know, one of the things about culture is, is like the, like around the question, you know, does the fish is a fish aware of that it swims in water? You know, like right. it's 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 around you. And be, one of one of the things that's tricky about culture is it's based on what you presume to be normative, so you don't notice it. So whenever I hear people say, "Oh, I, I noticed it was different back even back then, uh, three 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 and a half years ago," like what? I'm curious. What was different? What did you experience as the difference? Well, honestly, what what had happened was my, my wife and I were we went to. Uh, we were like, okay, we want to go to St. Benedict, just as a rule. We want to go here, but we should go check out a couple other churches first. And uh, so we went to a couple other churches in the area, and there's just there wasn't uh, the same kind of warmth that I had experienced at St. Benedict. You know, we wanted to give these parishes a fair shake. And there's even one that we were like, you know what, we could kind of see ourselves here. But I think that there was definitely, in the culture of St. Benedict, this idea of if you're here, you're going to do something. You're not just going to come here and go to Mass. And I think at other churches, it's really easy to just kind of you slip in the door, you sit in a pew towards the back, you, you, you do your thing, you receive communion, and then you leave, and it's kind of no big deal, and you're like, maybe no one noticed. And I think that appeals to some people. Like, <laughs> sometimes they want to have the unnoticed experience. Catholics Anonymous. Yes. There's a, there's, a, there's a woman in my connect group, actually. She said, when I came to St. Benedict, I wanted to be anonymous. I came here to be anonymous. And I really? Think, and she's not at all. She's in your connect group. She yeah, she's known. not anonymous yes. at all. Exactly. That's right. So, so you'd been going to St. Benedict for a while before you became a staff member. Like, how long was that? Yeah, so I just started in September 2017. So I'd been here about three years. 
And uh, so it was interesting, you know, the first year I had, uh, I had a job, it was a lot of uh, shift work. So it's nights, uh, it's days. So I couldn't do anything consistent, you know, where mm. I was hearing about alpha, I wanted to do alpha, but I was like, I don't think I can commit to that. So finally I got a, a really good job um, before, after that one. And that's when I could start to get involved at the parish. And that's when I started, my, I started doing um, slides at mass. My wife started working in uh, first aid. Actually, it was funny because Father James came up to me after mass once, so up to my wife and I, and uh, he he said, uh, "So when are you guys gonna start kind of you know paddling the boat? You know, that's a metaphor oh, that you enjoy. Oh, yeah. You know, paddle, uh, rowing as the opposed, boat as opposed, as opposed to, to being a passenger. Yes, exactly. And it was funny because it was like, well, actually, you know, we're we're paddling the boat behind the scenes a little bit because we were we're truly literally in the back of the church doing the ministries that we were at that time. Uh, and it was really kind of through doing Alpha that we started to get to know other people and started to get. Uh, was that the first time you'd done Alpha? Was it at St. Benedict? Yes, it was. I had seen Alpha advertised at other churches, mm-hmm. and I thought, and I think my parents had even gone, uh, and I didn't really have the firmest grasp of what it was. Um, you know, because I think even back then, I think I walked into the uh, back of a hall once, and it was like one of those TV stands from you see in school when they got to show a video oh, yes. and like a videotape coming in, and I was like, that's. That's Alpha. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> and, and, and that's not what they were talking about. Yeah. Well, that's great. So, so you were there for, for a number of years before yeah. you came. You became a staff member. So, I guess uh, when did you catch the culture? Would be the question. Yeah, I think that the I think the biggest step was probably becoming a connect group leader. I would say um, because I was I was coming to the parish. I was involved in Alpha, and uh, I think it was kind of the first step that of being invested in was the main thing. It was actually funny. My wife and I, uh, back in Saskatoon, we were involved in a, a couple's ministry. So essentially, they, there was this, these couples, they oh, yeah, met I once a month. And uh, yeah, they would all get together. There was like 20 of them. They all get together. They prayed. And so I th- we thought, you know, we should do that in Halifax. You know, we knew couples. We made a whole little roster. And we thought, well, let's get a, a guest speaker. So we went up to uh, Father Simon after Mass once. I and uh, I <laughs> and so we, we, we pitched him on this idea. <laughs> we're like, hey, what do you think of this idea? And I think that he kind of sat with it for a little bit at first, and then he kind of came back to us about a week later, and he was like, what about like a connect group instead? And uh, I was like, oh, that sounds like a commitment, because it was every two weeks, and I don't know why I was afraid of commitment. I was married. What am I afraid of commitment <laughs> for at that point, right? <laughs> uh, so, and so Father Simon was like, you know, if you guys feel this way, I think that he, he could kind of see in us that there was like this desire to lead, because we literally were like, we want to start something. Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so he said, you know, why don't we get you, uh, we'll get you in a connect group, and we'll see about kind of transitioning into uh, eventually we'll start one. Hmm. And, uh, and, you know, to have that, to have someone look at you and say, like, you know, this is a good idea. And it's not like, you know, he could have very easily said, like, okay, like, let's pump the brakes, guys. Like, you know, keep doing the slides, keep being the first aid, <laughs> like, keep doing what you're doing. Like, it wasn't that he didn't see capacity or something like that. He he fostered, he encouraged Well, him. confession time. Yeah, uh, I was thinking the same you, thing. You guys were in the parish for about a week when we had a conversation about you guys and about what we saw is the potential there. And I think, I think that, that, that that's a key thing is that if in leadership to be, to be constantly asking those questions at yes. every level, at every single level, who, who are the, who are the people that, that we see that, that have a sense, we see something in the, and they, there's an openness and a desire and a willingness to, to lead. And so I remember when I think there was a supper or something, I, I vaguely have this memory of Father Simon having, he was getting together with you guys to, to kind of sound you out about the connect group. And I think I, like inadvertently or coincidentally dropped in to say yes. hello. And it was like, it totally was a coincidence. Like it was not set up like <laughs> we, that. Yes, because we were, it was when we were going to 
started the Connect Group, and we knew it was going to be uh, my wife and I, me and Emily, were going to be in, in leadership. And then we we went over to our, our Connect Group leaders' house. It was actually uh, Kate, who was on last week, and her husband Corey. And they were like, "Yeah, we know we're going to have you over in Father Simon." And they were like, "So they said, what if Father Simon helps lead a Connect Group with you?" Because at the time he was uh, he was just we thought he was just here for a couple of years. He was going to learn about Connect Groups and move on. He mm. has not moved on, <laughs> which is good <laughs> ultimately. And yeah, it's just it's, you ended up. I think you said that you saw the car in the driveway, but it was funny because like yeah, was like I was this, visiting some other prisoner yes. and I saw the car and I was like, I because I, si- Father Simon is a, a very uh, unique, <laughs> the unique ship. We call yes, it a spaceship. That's right, yeah. unique. And yeah, and you, were, you said, oh, you know, I was just popping by in the area and we're kind of, I was like, what is like, going? I like <laughs> yeah. it was the full court press. So I was like, we're getting real courted here or something like that. Gosh, I'm gonna have to sign a contract or something soon. So, uh, but yeah, it was that kind of investment, and I think it I think it helps too. You know, it was just little conversations that I would have some sometimes mm-hmm. with people, even Father James, you as the pastor coming in and just saying, hey, are you, are you helping out? Are you doing something here? I like that because it reinforced to me that if I was going to be involved with the parish, like, you know, you preach about that and then you're going to come up and you're going to talk to us. And it's like, he's not just saying it, you know, if he's saying it to me, he's probably talking to other people that are leaving mass about all sorts of different ways people can be involved. It's true. Yeah. yeah, he does. You know, that what's in, I find interesting about how that all came about too, Matt, is, you know, we have a game plan mm. and... And the game plan helps us to stay focused. It helps us to make decisions. And and I remember when I'd heard that you guys were thinking about starting a couple's ministry. Is a couple ministry a bad thing? No, it's a great thing. Yeah. However, how is that going to fit into our current game plan? And where was our biggest focus at the time? And our biggest focus was connect groups. And do couples come to connect groups? Yes. It's not necessarily a couple's ministry. But it was interesting for us to try to see if we could take your passion, the things you were good at and interested in, mm. and kind of conform it to mm. our our vision and our strategy for making missionary disciples. And because it would have been easy to just say, oh, yeah, go ahead and do that. And then all of a sudden, there's something else going, That's and right. we, just, we just dilute the focus that we're trying to have as a church. So thanks for saying yes. Because <laughs> at that point, we had indeed articulated the strategy for, for forming people and you know, we were at the, you know, in a sense, beginning of the, this phase two, where the challenge really is to own the strategy, is to articulate the, st- right. the, the strategy, to help the parishioners own it, and then to lean into it. And and one of the biggest threats to that clear strategy is all the great ideas that people can bring, especially, you know, like folks like yourselves who are coming, you know, you've got really experienced being active in parishes, even working in parishes, Loves Christ. and you're, you're, you're in love with the Lord, you're passionate about the mission, and, and we always draw ideas from what we know. And sometimes we, we've had folks like like the two of you who have had these great ideas and and they haven't been able to make the leap to, to, to move into our particular strategy. So we're very grateful. I was great. You I'm, both did. I, I was appreciative too. I mean, it's kind of a little, little bit refreshing, right? Because I mean, sometimes when you're young and in the church and you have an idea, people are like, whatever you say it's is true. Yes. <laughs> maybe, maybe you'll reach young idea. So to get any pushback is like, it's good. It's like when you're learning something and some, you know, you do something and then also your teacher says, oh, no, you don't do that. It's kind of good. It's like, yeah, I need to know the limits and yeah, the boundaries. And that, that'll help me grow. Exactly. Yeah, for me. me. So yeah. what did, I'm curious about what did that experience of, okay, of not having your idea immediately uh, accepted in the fact that there was an alternate uh, prop- proposition in a sense. What, what did that teach you about the, say, the, the culture? And, and maybe you might not have used those terms. I don't know if you would ha- would or wouldn't have at that time in terms of, you know, what's a normative, but right. did that um, arouse any curiosity? Was it, I'm or just, disappointment? Uh, yeah. 
I think, well, it's funny because it is a completely different, uh, you know, we were kind of like, well, okay, that's a different thing that we're going to be doing. That's yeah. not even, it's not the same idea. Uh, and it's funny because, you know, you're, you're kind of like, you get protective of your ideas a little bit. And you're yeah. kind of like, I, li- I thought our idea was good. Yeah. And your idea is good. <laughs> I thought they um, liked me. Exactly. <laughs> and I think it's funny because I, I think I received it pretty well um, because as, uh, as a young person, especially as a Catholic, I mean, part of that forming uh, after you evangelize, after you have an experience of God, which I had when I was a teenager, you st- I, at least for me, I reacted very much like, okay, the church knows what it's doing. And so I believe it, you know, I believe the teachings and everything. And it was kind of the first time that it was, I had to say, you know, I believe what the church is doing on a, like on a parish level. I believe in what these right, people specifically yeah. are doing. It's not just that not I have just the doctrinal yeah, level. It's not that, you know, I believe the sacraments and everything. It's that, you know, maybe there's an idea. And I think part of that is the, the strategy, because I think people are drawn to that. Like people want to go to a church and they want to, you know, be part of something bigger. And it's good if we, we know what that bigger is. It's not just, you know, getting together with a bunch of people. And, uh, you know, I found it refreshing that there was actually, you know, there was a, there was a vision, that there was a drive behind it because, yeah, I want to get behind. I want to get behind something, mm. you know. I, I think in one ways what you may in a sense, be describing, I don't think I've ever said it quite like this, but I mean, in terms of, of uh, cultural, uh, I mean, there's the whole culture of, of, of the place, but it's made up of, of distinct things. And I would say that at St. Benedict Parish, what we saw grow over a number of years was what I would call a culture of intentionality. Good point. Intentionality, because the things that make the difference never happen by themselves. Amen. Mm. That is so true. Everything in the parish that really makes the difference, that brings fruit, if you if you don't lean into them intentionally, they never actually happen. They disappear in the they mess. Disappear in the, chaos. in the mess. They 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 devolve. If if you even get things going and you stop being intentional about them, even after mm-hmm. being intentional about them for a year or two or three, they'll eventually disappear. And so. But intentionality is something that we're not really used to in the church, uh, except around Sunday masses. We're pretty intentional about that. Right. Or sacraments, we're intentional about that. But uh, pretty much everything else, we're, we're not really intentional. And again, the, the greatest threat to intentionality about the few things that really make the difference are are not necessarily the bad ideas, but the good ideas. Right. Mm-hmm. Matt, so you caught the culture of St. Benedict as a parishioner. Yeah. But... Being on staff and being a parishioner are two different things. Yes. So you were, a job came up, you applied for it, you were the successful candidate. What was that like? What was your perce- what was your perception of what it would be like to work there? And then what was your reality? Because there's always gaps. Right. And I think for me, there's probably um, even, maybe even a larger one, because for a long time, uh, I was saying to my wife, I was like, you know, I don't really know what to do, what I wanted to do with my life. Like for a sure. while there, it's kind of like, I don't really know. Yeah, and what's next? I had a job and it was good. And it was kind of like, is that it? You're kind of looking around a little bit. Like this is all, yeah. this all I'm looking for, right? Yeah. But I always had said to my wife, I was like, you know, I love to work at the parish. Oh, I love to work at St. Benedict. And Emily was like, uh, she would say, what do you want to do? I was like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, it's like, they've got people there. They seem to know what they're doing. They have the right people in place, the right jobs. So it's like, I don't know, I hope something comes up someday. <laughs> hope my number comes in or something like yeah. that. And, uh, and yeah, and an opportunity did come in, like majorly. It was communications, and I was like, well, that's a crazy good fit for me. I thought so. I hope the parish would agree. Uh, and they did, which was good. Uh, it, was, it was interesting. Uh, it was interesting being there because, you know, in a way, in a way it's kind of a, kind of a dream job. Essentially, I saw the culture. I saw what was happening in the parish. And I was like, I just want to get on board here. Like, I just want to be mm-hmm. a part of this. And I want to see where it's going. I want to see what I can do to help it. 
uh, so it's interesting to to start the work. And a lot of what I was doing, so I'm communications coordinator. Last week I had Kate on. She was director of communications. And so uh, she was doing a lot of the things that I was eventually going to start to take on. And it's interesting with communications at a parish because there's stuff you kind of take for granted week to week. A lot of parishes have bulletins. Um, our, ours doesn't anymore, which I think she spoke about. And so there's lots of these gets done every week, just no matter what. doesn't matter right. what hap- what's happening. It doesn't matter if it's Christmas next week or if it's Easter. These things have to happen. And nobody knows that that's yeah. going on. That's under the hood. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like the announcements happened in the mass. You're like, all right, sure. Like, that's fine. It's like, well, someone had to, we had to think about what that actually was going to be. <laughs> and we had to make a slide that didn't look stupid so that you, <laughs> you were distracted And there was a bunch you said no it. to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so Intentionality. It, yeah. Intentionality. Absolutely. And so it was interesting just this process of taking things off of Kate's plate and also for me to, to kind of realize what the job was in a way. And to be satisfied with like, yes, like this is like these communications, they have to happen. People are going to take it for granted until there's a typo or something like that. Until there's an event that's, you know, at the wrong time and people kind of get kind of yeah. agitated, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and so it, it's been interesting to, to realize, OK, there's things that need to happen every single week. But there's also that time which, which you talked about just in the introduction here where, um, you know, you need to have the time to dream and to think about it because mm. – you know, where we are in communications is good and where we could go is like way, awesome. way better. Mm-hmm. And, we, and it can be, and, and some, sometimes it's like, I know what I want to do. I have no idea how to get there. Like, it's, it's like, okay. that's okay. Yeah. And yeah. so, um, so it's funny to, so to too, think about that. too many dreams are stymied because <laughs> we rush immediately. We were more concerned about how would I get there than, than, than the dream itself. Right. Like, like dream the dream first and, and get that in your heart. And then we can work out how it how we might be able to move in that direction. Exactly. And, and sometimes it, God yeah. just does some crazy things because you, you shouldn't be able to get from here to there. But yet God doesn't take away the dream. And then all of a sudden God does something that only God can do to open up a door to make the dream happen. That's been my experience. That's our whole ministry. That's our whole church. Right. You know, mm. it's been beautiful. I'm curious, Matt, what, what did you experience as a, as a new staff member? Because I remember in the what we discovered by year four Three, year three, year, year four, as a distinctive culture began to emerge, we realized more and more how crucial it was to onboard people in a way that would expose them to, to the culture. And we did varying degrees of, sometimes we did that very well, sometimes we did it very poorly. Um, how did you experience that? And what kind of things, in terms of your first couple of weeks, how were you, uh, in a sense, brought in and exposed to to what it meant to actually be on 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 the parish on the parish staff i had it a little bit easier than than some people because i started the same time um that uh, bill scollard uh starts uh, started rather and uh, it was kind of around the same time that we had some a new priests coming in it was kind of the, the new starting the new ministry year because it was the september i think fourth it was right after labor day weekend so it was good because there was kind of a you know even a sense in the parish then of being like all right there's new people. Father Simon had been pastor for a couple of months at that point, really. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he was still getting settled. So there was kind of this sense of like, yeah, like things are new. Let's take it slow. Um, I appreciated that in the first few weeks I got to go to um, a couple of different meetings, just to even be introduced, but also to see what that was like. Um, and it's funny because for all the culture that I caught before I joined the parish staff, uh, you know, I didn't really think about like, okay, like who – who reports to who even like I go to these mm-hmm. meetings. I'm like, Oh, you're, I guess your job would report to the person in charge of operations or something like that. And so it helps you kind of kind of situate yourself. You're like, right. So these people are not functioning independently at the parish. Oh, like neither. I'm part of a team and right. I have a leader. 
and uh, and so do these people. And so it was kind of good to even, even to realize, like, you know, if it was an issue that came up, I could talk to my leader about that. I could talk to my team leader about that. And, you know, they, they could talk to their team leader. If there was, even if there was conflict, it was possible, for, there was a step to have that happen, and it didn't all flow through the priest, which is good because you're like, I don't want to waste his time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to, even just to see that early on and to get a sense of there's actually a structure to the teams and, and a structure that I think was actually pretty healthy, right? There was no mm-hmm. teams that uh, I had seen that were, like, dysfunctional or someone was you know, running you know, roughshod over other people. So to see that and to get a sense of, like, what what's happening for my team is healthy and what's happening with theirs is healthy and it's and it's tougher when you have a pair of staff the size that we do that um you know we want to make sure that everything's healthy and so you can't be like is everybody good you have to kind of be like <laughs> you have to break it up and be like are you good right because it's two big desks uh, yeah, yeah so exactly. you need people that more focused mm. and that's where the team leaders come in to, yeah. in terms of supporting well that and that helped a, a lot in the early days for sure and today one of the things that that's kind of astounding me as i'm standing here i'm realizing we i'd like to pretend we were brilliant enough to, to plan Matt coming on the same day we were going to talk about all sorts of parishes hiring in our network, but I had no idea that was happening, right? Like, so that, that was news to me. And, but, you know, the, the first half, it's like, oh, yeah, how timely it is to have, you know, someone who's, who's talking about how they came on staff and how they caught culture. But what's making me think about it is something you said earlier, Father James, which is that notion of, of you know, when, when we bring people on staff, we're, we're trying to constantly raise leaders. And that's exactly what happened in Matt's case, right? I mean, like, we raised him as a parishioner at St. Benedict into leadership roles, and, and then eventually he found his way on staff. Like, that, that's actually yeah, according I mean, to plan. I mean, we've actually, I mean, very recently, I mean, you, you mentioned Bill. I mean, five, six years ago, Bill didn't even go to church. Right. So it's, a, you know, he had a conversion. He came back to church. He started... You know, getting really involved. Got in the game plan. Got in the game plan. Leadership pipeline. Came through the leadership pipeline. We, you know, we recognized him him gifts to work work with people. And eventually, now he's not only in staff, but on a kind of a supportive role. He's supporting a team. And that's, that's just pretty cool. That's amazing. And that's what we, that's what we strive to do. I say strive because sometimes we get it right and sometimes we don't. But in terms of that LinkedIn, interesting, that, again, that we spoke about that in the intro about uh, parishes hiring people. And and there is a difference, you know, in terms of where you are. You know, we often we've spoken about the different phases of parish. You know, that the first task in many Catholic parishes, when, they, when you begin to be intentional about moving from maintenance to mission, is changing the, changing the culture from a culture of maintenance, from a culture of anything will do, a culture of the status quo, a culture of convenience. Um, and and that is to get momentum on the culture shift. And when you're chi- when you're changing something, when you hire, you probably want to oh, hire right. from outside. And that's mm. what we've experienced. I mentioned one of our mm. parishes is hiring uh, someone from from the U.S. You hire from outside, not simply because they were the best person who applied, or you couldn't find anyone locally, but simply because when you want to shift something, you hire from outside. Once that unique culture is moving and you, there's a uniqueness, um, then you really do well to, to look within and say, who can we raise up? Mm. Who can we raise up from within? Because once you've got a very distinctive culture, bringing someone in who, when you want to lean into that, that, that strong culture, when you want to go deeper into it, bringing someone in from the outside can disruptive. really be mm. very disruptive and really highly problematic. Yeah. One of the things that, um, you know, we would get accused of, and we actually changed our, our leadership summits that we hosted when we were investing in leaders a little bit because we wanted to give them a sense of what goes on on the staff 
between leadership summits because we realized a lot of people, you know, you think about church, so you're hiring people, why? We just have mass on the weekend, what could you possibly be doing the rest of the week? And so there's this sense that, hey, go to work for a church, that'd be a great place to retire because it'd be nice, easy, and wouldn't be hard, very little stress. What's your experience of the, the work ethic and the, the, the rate at which people work at St. Benedict and coming on to that? Like, was, is that, was that what you thought it would be? Was it higher? Was it lower? Talk a little bit about that. I think that it's grown. I think it's been healthier too. I think that uh, it's easy to get wrapped up in either the mindset of, you know, hey, yeah, put your feet up and don't do anything else, really, like work a couple days a week sort of thing. And, but also it's, it gets kind of easy to also work yourself to death mm-hmm. as well. To redline, is a, that's a phrase mm-hmm. or, uh, that people use in the parish all the time, this idea that, you know, you want to go flat out because what you're doing matters so much mm-hmm. Um, but you don't think about the fact that, you know, if I keep redlining, like, you know, six months, am I going to be here? You know, I'm going to black line. There's going to be nothing left. Mm. Um, and so I think that's been good because especially going back to that team dynamic, we can kind of look around and be like, you doing okay? Like, are you, are are you in the right place as a team? Like I see that you're, you're, you know, you're working really hard, especially, uh, sometimes there's big events that happen. And so people are focused on that for, you know, a month at a time and and they're dealing with people and it's like, you okay? Like you need to kind of. Maybe it's a good to take some time and, you know, step back a little bit. And which actually I have to say that uh, Kate does a good job of that. Sometimes she'll look at me like, I think we got to, you got to take the rest of the afternoon and just go home. It's not going to help at this point. You know, you're just going to be kind of hitting your head against the wall. Mm. Um, and it helps too, especially considering that we don't necessarily work, you know, nine to five Monday through Friday. Right. Because yeah. Things come up. It's important. Things, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's, uh, it, it's, it's healthy when you have people around you who, who notice, right? And there's also that sense, you know, especially in the back of my mind, it's like, people are going to notice if I, if I blow it or if I, you know, if I'm slacking off, um, especially, you know, if someone is like, you know, the announcements didn't get done this weekend, <laughs> that'll be easy. It'll be easy to tell that I blew it then. But, um, but I guess there's also the part of, you know, you can also, uh, blow it by not really looking after other people, by not thinking about them as well, because you get wrapped up in what you do. And I think a lot of people... Uh, at parishes, you know, they, their jobs can be really specific. You know, they can think yes, about like, true. you know, if I'm in charge of music ministry, that's all I'm doing. And so it can kind of get easy to get inward focused. It can also get really easy to think about like what I'm doing matters more than everything else. Like there's everybody, people are doing this, but you know, I'm doing this part, you know, I'm in communication. So if I don't tell people stuff, nothing's going to happen. You know, it can get easy to get in your head. So I think it's good to have the, that team relation, the team dynamic and to touch base with people too. Uh, just to be like, what are you doing? Like, how are things going? You know, what you're doing matters too. It's the check-in. It's that humbling too that I think is important and helps. Love it. Yeah. Matt, it's been so great to have you here joining us today, but I think I'm going to cut it there for, for today, but it was so awesome having you. And I think, you know, you talking about Bill Scholard and his journey, I think we got to get Bill on. So maybe we'll, we'll plan to get him on sometime soon to join this the, the team here. Uh, there's just a couple things uh, for, for those who are interested in finding out more about Divine Renovation. You can check out our website at divinerenovation.net. And I was speaking just yesterday to our UK coordinator, Hannah, and uh, we've got a, an event coming up May 9th in the UK. And I got to tell you something. We were walking through the uh, the agenda for the the May 9th event. It's amazing. <laughs> no, no, it's 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 actually like it's actually. I mean, you're going to be blown away when you get a chance to see it. This day is going to be a phenomenal day. It's attached to the leadership conference down there. So if you're in the UK or in Europe and you want to travel and join us there, there's a, a number of seats still left for that event, and that's on May 9th. Uh, also, we've got a Divine Renovation 2018 conference coming up here in Halifax. There's still some mm-hmm. seats left for that, so you can buy some seats if you're interested in joining us there. And uh, we we were looking. You were looking at our, our iTunes um, account. The people who have liked us and mm-hmm. loved us on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if, if 
if, if you like or love us, why don't you hop over to iTunes and give us uh, five stars. And if you don't like or love us, send us an email as opposed <laughs> to giving us one star. That would make us feel better if you get my drift. And, <laughs> awesome. Well, guys, it's been a real pleasure. And I look forward to having this conversation again next week. 